It's true that some things change as we get older. But if you're a woman over 40 and you're dealing with insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, and weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. And with MIDI Health, you can get help and stop pushing through it alone. The experts at MIDI understand that all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes that happen around menopause. And MIDI can help you feel more like yourself again. Many healthcare providers aren't trained to treat or even recognize menopause symptoms. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts. They're dedicated to providing safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions for dozens of hormonal symptoms, not just hot flashes. Most importantly, they're covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. This is the Graceful Atheist Podcast. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Graceful Atheist Podcast. My name is David, and I am trying to be the Graceful Atheist. I want to thank the brave people who have started the ball rolling on Patreon. Thank you to Peter, Tracy, Jimmy, and Jason. Much appreciated. We are about to become a part of the Atheist United Podcast Network. That will include having ads on the podcast. And in order to give you an opportunity to have an ad-free environment, I have started the Patreon account. For those of you who have already become patrons, I'll be sending out an email shortly with the RSS feed, which is the way you can tell your podcatcher to point to the podcast without ads. But I do want to make it clear that everyone else will still get the podcast. There will just be ads on it. Please consider joining the Deconversion Anonymous Facebook group. The holidays can be a really tough time if you are new to deconstruction, new to deconversion, and it's a great place to connect with other people who are feeling and experiencing exactly the same thing. You can find it at facebook.com slash groups slash deconversion. Special thanks to Mike T for editing today's show. On to today's show. My guest today is your community manager, Arlene. Arlene has been an integral part of the podcast and especially the community. We would not have the thriving Deconversion Anonymous community if it were not for Arlene and her tireless work. Arlene also helps out with copy editing and, and she just handles a lot of things on the back end. So as always, I'm incredibly grateful to all the people who participate to help make the podcast and the community as special as it is. This is an AMA or Ask Me Anything style episode, and so I ask Arlene about what makes her angry, what makes her hopeful, and what she's learned from being a community manager, interviewing guests, and watching the Christian nationalism that is playing out in our politics today. 
Here is Arlene to answer lots of questions. Arlene, welcome back to the Graceful Atheist Podcast. Hello, David. I am really excited to be here. It's a little ridiculous to welcome you to something that you are a major part of. (laughs) First thing, right off the bat, I wanted to celebrate with you a couple of victories. You started the Deconversion Anonymous Facebook group approximately a year ago. I think it was October of 2021. Mm -hmm. We're at Somewhere in the neighborhood of 535 members as of today, which is astonishing. And as well as the podcast has been, is done really well. We just crossed our 200,000 mark for downloads. Downloads is a terrible metric to look at, but it does give you a sense of the growth. So it took probably three years to get to the first 100,000. And so we did this in less than a year. Oh, wow. People are paying attention. Uh, So... (laughs) You may recall when we were talking about doing the the community group that one of my goals was that we didn't just devolve into angry uh, anti-christian memes and and just all venting we wanted to allow space for venting but we also wanted to allow for people to feel comfortable there if they were questioning that kind of thing i think from my perspective it has been an again astonishing success much more than i could have hoped for and you are absolutely uh, the reason why that is. So my first question to you is, (laughs) how'd you do it? How is it that we have a successful community and that it it hasn't devolved into just angry anti-Christian memes? Yes. Well, I, I have, I've thought a lot about this, how, well, like you said, there's over 500 members. That still blows my mind. That still blows my mind. Totally. Um, But how have we not devolved into chaos? I, th- I think there most of the people in the group are acquainted with the Graceful Atheist podcast. So the vibe of the Graceful Atheist podcast, the way that you have interviewed people, the space you've given people to tell their stories has drawn an audience of people who are also looking for that. I've heard numerous people say, I was looking up atheist podcasts or I had deconverted and I... I wanted to find some podcasts to listen to that weren't just angry about everything and unkind um, who had podcasts that were, yeah, just didn't make them feel some kind of way. Yeah. Made them angry. And, and so you've drawn that audience, which then joins the Facebook group. And then I think the people who, there are people in the group um, who are not, don't even listen to the podcast, go, oh, wait, this is associated with a podcast. Like they have no idea. Right. Um, yeah. But they're, but, but they come into the space and they may post something or they read what other people have posted and they know the group is, is not going to be super inviting of the really um, angry, unkind stuff. Now mm-hmm. we totally have space, you know, people post like they'll put, you know, I, this is an angry post and they just need to vent. They just need to yeah. tell how they're feeling. And people are like, yep, I get it. I empathize. I've been there. Here's, here's a little bit of what I've gone through. And, and so there's, there's the empathy and the space for the, all the emotions, the sadness, the grief, the fear, the uncertainty, people who are still Christians wanting a space to just like, how did you guys get here? Like what, what happened? Um, and so when people come into the group curious or hopeful or just lonely, 
it's already the people in the group. I haven't done anything magical. The people in the group have created an atmosphere of just being welcome to, to wherever you are. Here's a space that you can land. And it has been, yeah, it has been so, I don't know what the word is, like beautiful to watch and just see how people interact with each other. And, um, and it's also been fun because there are the funny memes yeah. that people oh, yeah. post. And it's, and it, yeah, it's, it's been a neat experience to watch and to be able to be a part of and get to know people. Yeah. And I do want to be clear that, that you know, anger is a completely valid part of the process yes. and we do need safe spaces to be able to communicate that. But again, I just think it needs to be commended that that's not the only thing that we're doing there, that there is a level of compassion and empathy, like you say. And what I think is just really beautiful is that someone will say, I'm having a hard time with X, you know, this thing. And 10 people come along and go, oh man, me too. I'm, <laughs> you know, and like yes, yes. that feeling of I'm not alone is so powerful. And as we've discussed before, you know, the deconstruction, deconversion process is a lonely, lonely process. And to just find your people is really amazing. Yes, there, myself included, lots of people don't have in real life friends who have gone through this. They're either still in church world, which is difficult with its own with its own things, or they may have friends who are not believers, but they've never been believers. So all the weird stuff that we believed and did, all the like the the grief of losing things that we used to believe that we held so dear, the, all those different kinds of things. It's just harder. They can empathize with the emotion, but they, they don't understand necessarily the, those actual experiences. And so, yeah, just finding a spot online where you can see that, yeah, I'm not alone. I'm not crazy. I'm not, um, I'm not in this without anybody at all. Cause yes, it feels like that in real life because you, you just may not have that. A lot of people don't have that. So you've done a number of things within the community. You lead a weekly discussion about the, the podcast episode. You've done sex and sexuality focused groups. You've done just social uh, hangouts. What do you find the most useful? What do people respond to the most? And what do we want to do new over the, the next year? Yes, the the Tuesday Night Podcast discussion, it's, it's a lot of fun um, in that, well, I'll say this, it's kind of like church world where you have like 20% who come to all the events and do all the things. Yeah. And then you have the rest who participate, you know, um, but don't necessarily come to all the little things. Um, but so you have the same, same people-ish that come every week. It gives our our guests who come who are on the podcast a chance to elaborate on things or mm -hmm. just know other people empathize with. Yes, I went through that same thing, um, and it's we've had some very serious, like deep conversations, and we've also had like just fabulous, fun conversations on Tuesday night. Um, and that I think has been it's added people to the group who've then people who've been on the podcast and then they join the group to be able to come to the Tuesday night thing. And um, they, they get to connect with people on more than just now I'm in the group kind of level, like actually get to know some people. Yeah. Um, so that's been a lot of fun. Um, the sex and sexuality, like 
purity culture. Like purity culture <laughs> I'm <telling> just, <laughs> just jacks people up. And yeah. so we have, um, we have another podcast or a few different just random sex and sexuality type podcasts where they, that has nothing to do with graceful atheists that are just um, experts discussing different things, whether it's um, what's therapy like for the LGBTQ community. um, What's it like to, you know, start having sex in your thirties rather when you've, you have no sexual experience, which, you know, that resonates a lot with people who've come out of purity culture. Um, What's it like to be in a sexless marriage? I mean, so many different, just random topics. Um, that, you know, we listen to the episode. Um, there's a few people in the group who are part of kind of, kind of figuring out what might be good, a good fit for us to listen to. Uh-huh. And then, um, that have more expertise in the area than I do. And then, um, and then, yeah, we just talk. And again, it's, it really, we may learn stuff from the podcast, but just getting to hear each other's stories, getting to know that you're not alone. This is, you're not the only 30 something who's like, oh no, I've, you know, I've only had sex with one, with my husband or my wife. Yeah, I've yeah. never realizing that I've always been attracted to people of the same gender, but I had no idea what to do with that. I mean, just so many right. different things and knowing you're not by yourself. Um and then as far as, let's see, the hangouts, those are literally that. Someone joked, this is our fellowship time. <laughs> yeah. I was yes, like, yep, exactly, pretty much exactly. it is. It is um, bring your own coffee. Really, yes, bring, yeah, bring your own coffee, grab <laughs> yeah. a drink. And, um, and, and we do, we've done like just random icebreakers. People come with deep questions sometimes. So like, hey, I've been thinking about this. And it really is just to get to know people in the group. And that um, specific one has been during the day for those of us in the United States so that we can't, we have not figured out how to get Australia, New Zealand, yeah. Europe, the UK and the United States all in one social event because yes, you know, exactly. That, that's, fine. <laughs> yes. that's fine. Um, but it at least opens it up for uh, people over in, um, Europe and the UK and, um, and, and all of these things have been, successful attempts of just getting people to know each other, getting people to know their, know each other a little bit more deeply than just posting on the wall. Cause I've talked to lots of people who've posted on the wall. Mm-hmm. Um, but the people that I've personally been able to chat with more like this, like face to face. Yeah. Um, yeah. You just start, you start to build a closer um, friendship. And um, there's an event coming up soon for people in North Carolina, people who are all there. They formed their own, hey, let's all get together thing because there's like seven or eight people um, that are all in North Carolina. And it's like, this is such a neat. Yeah. it. So these little events have been to to help people connect a little more deeply with people. And um, and they've they've been a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, As far as in the future. We've talked about possibly having maybe some discussions specifically on like, for want of a better term, some people are like, oh, I don't love the term unequally yoked marriages yeah, um, yeah. or relationships, uh-huh. um, parenting. What's it like, like when one is a Christian, one's not, or when you've only been Christian so far and now all of a sudden you, neither of you are believers and how do you do, you know, what does parenting look like? Um, what does it look like being single? You've come out of purity culture and you're single and you're like, you know, you, you want to make wise choices, but what does it look like? You don't have someone telling you what wise choices look like for single right. people. So just 
lots of different, it sounds strange, but like the same stuff that the church tries to give you space to discuss, but yeah. we're not going to tell you what to do. It's just like, here, <laughs> yes. here, here's a space where we can see, you know, what, what does some research say or what are my personal anecdotal experiences say? And then everybody is able to just figure out what will work for them without, um, yeah, without people having to be t- like having to tell them what they need to do or don't need to do shooting on each on each other. There's a person in the group who uses that phrase. Don't shoot on people. Like, don't, just don't shoot yes. on people. <laughs> and don't shoot like on that. yourself. Yeah, yes. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> so quick plug for those of you listening, if any of those topics sound interesting and you'd be willing to run a, yes. a group, you get in touch with Arlene and we can make that happen. Yes, absolutely. I think that is one of the fun things that, you know, goal for me again is that the church provides a place for people to use their hobbies, talents. We can call them gifts if we want to call back, <laughs> uh, but whatever, right? Like the things you're good at, the things you're interested in. And I think the secular world, it, that's what's missing is that there just are very few yeah. places to exercise things that, you know, you're probably not going to be ma- able to make a living doing those things, but you're good at them and you want, you yeah. want an opportunity to do it. So this is one of those things and uh, that's going to be really exciting. Yes. And if there are topics that like we haven't thought about, that it seems like, you know, many, a few people have posted about this in the group. Maybe this is something we get to like, please send me. I am always open to Facebook messages, DMs and Instagram. Like I can hear those and, and we can talk about it and see. So I'm curious, Arlene, for yourself, being more personal, like, do you feel like this fulfilled the community need for yourself? As a community manager, you're kind of on stage a bit. So I know a little bit about that. <laughs> yes. You know, do you still get something out of this? And then, and then how have you changed by doing this work? Mm. Um, what do I get out of it? Yes. I, I, the, the last, let's see, how do I explain this? I was still friends with a few Christians um, at the beginning of this year, but they were, they were relationships where it's like, it, they were not bad people, but it was not good for me. It was, yeah. it was just not the best relationships to continue to be in. And so I, I like, because of the group and the friendships that I've made in the group, I was able to see those in real life friendships for what they were. Um, and be able to let go of them without thinking, oh my gosh, I'm going to be literally alone other than my husband. Now, I do have some, I do have some friends who are still Christians, but they live in different places and they, they have never been evangelical. They are not, um, sure. they're not the Christianity that we really need to like, that needs more deconstructing and pulling apart. And so, <laughs> yes. yeah. So like, so our values are still the same. You know, we have, we have things in common um, that, you know, have not changed, but having the friends that I've made in this group, um, 
Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Just people that I know I can send a message to, I can send a Facebook message and just be frustrated or irritated. And like they can just hear me and empathize. And then like we can talk a little bit or not. And it's, it, yeah, it, yes, it has filled that. I feel like I'm just rambling, but yes, it has filled that need for community, for friendships. Um, the, the different little hangouts, like getting to have my like love language is, I guess that's a little Christianese, but <laughs> love language is like having deep discussions with a few people. So like I've always loved small groups, book clubs, things like that. So having those times during the week where I can have that, and then I can go back to my, my husband and my family, my, my kids, who my husband is like, I, I don't want to have deep discussions about <laughs> books that you've read that I don't want to read. He's like, I love you so much. And I'm so glad that these other people exist in your life because, because I don't have to feel like, oh no, he's not meeting some kind of need or my friends aren't because I have, I have friends now who are into similar things. And so, yeah. so yes, um, the community being now being part of the community. Yes. I've built some good friendships. I have, fantastic discussions with people. I'm learning from people that used to, in church world, I had to be in like white lady mom Bible study world. And the men were in, you know, whatever man Bible study world they were in. <laughs> yeah. And there was such little overlap that now I know I can send a message to one, to someone who is an expert in whatever the thing is that I've talked to. And I yeah. can just ask them a question and it's, it's, it's just, it's just a different experience and it's, it's wonderful. Um, and what was your other question? How have I, changed? how have you changed? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, I am much more confident than I used to be. Now I say that like I can lead little children, like on paper, I'm a, an early childhood teacher. So I can herd all the small kids, all the kids, all the cats. Yeah. Adults were terribly intimidating to me. I had never been in a in positions of hurting adults, mixed groups, because I was a teacher, so it's mostly women. Then in church world, it was always women. Yeah. Um, and so I've had to reach out to different people in the group who are who are really good at that. I've had to you know watch YouTube and learn all the things. Um, so I've grown more confident in doing those things, but it's been definitely a huge learning experience because <laughs> yeah never done anything like this before and um but it's so I guess a little humbling but in a like in a good way like I've learned a lot and um getting to interview people that was not something I'd ever thought I would that has ne I've never crossed my mind ever and now I'm like oh, I want to be like David when I grow up like I just, <laughs> this is such the neatest experience just getting you know being yeah. able to hear just hear people's stories and let them talk. I love it so much. That is my next question. I, like for listeners who don't know, Arlene's played a, a number of roles, but one of which was just finding people to be interviewed. And then I think there was one person who said, well, 
why why don't you, Arlene, inter- interview me? And you asked me if that was okay. And I was like, yeah, that's great. And this has turned into such a great thing that I've got atheist in my title. And you know that might be scary for some people. And there are going to be people that are going to be willing to open up to you in a way that they might not to me. So if you want to just expound, you've basically answered it, but a little bit more on what has it been like doing, conducting the interviews, being the one behind the mic? Mm. Um, it's much more intimidating because I I enjoy hearing their stories. Well, I guess for me, really, the, the intimidating part is um, trying to figure out how to make it flow. And I want them to just talk. Um, but I also, you know, sometimes people tell their whole story and it's been like 10 minutes and I'm like, oh, okay, now I have to figure out how to right. like <laughs> pull some more. Let's go back to this. And so, yeah. um, but it's, I have learned a lot and gotten to know people online very closely, like people that I've gotten to be much closer friends with um, after hearing their stories and just the things that we have in common, the things that um I've had a few people that I've had to, they would say, come back to me in a few more months. Like, I'm not ready. Like, I want to tell my story, but I'm not ready. And so for me, telling my story was therapy. Like, it was so good for me. I just, I wanted to get it all out there whenever I did it. Um, but other people, it's it's very intimidating. It's very scary. It's like, now it's in, like, someone in my family may listen to it. Someone may, you know, and yeah. so there's there's so much nuance with when people want to tell their story and they do want to get it out, but all the consequences they could possibly face. And so, um, yeah, it's, it's definitely helped me have a lot more compassion for people whose, whose family um, or friends or spouse are, are part of the reasons why they want to tell their story, but can't tell their story yet. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cause my family are, have mostly not all, but mostly just kind of nominal Christians. So they were just like, okay, whatever you believe is, you know, <laughs> yeah, they, didn't, no they didn't care. They didn't super care. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so I didn't have a lot of pushback. And so I, I just didn't realize how many people, yeah, are, it's hard for them to get out there and tell their story when they want to. I'm curious if you feel this, I'm trying not to lead the question, but like there's a deep intimacy in doing uh, one-on-one interviews in a way that Definitely not in a group, but you know, even uh, somehow you're hearing the the heart of their life story, you know. And so, what has that been? Ex- that experience been like, as far as really getting to be? It might, you know, from my perspective, it's a gift to be told someone's life story. Yeah, I I didn't know how to explain that, but yes, like like I feel like I know the people so much more deeply now, and mm-hmm. and some most of the people that I've interviewed, not all of them, but well, it's only been a few people, but. Um, only one or two of them did I not know beforehand, like were recommended right. to me and I just sent them a message, but others we had talked and talked. And so I knew a little bit of their story, but yeah, right. they sit there and they're looking at you and they're telling some of the the hardest things that have happened to them. And yeah, it, it brings, yeah, it's a gift. Like you're being, they're so vulnerable, vulnerable with their story, with their whole selves. And they have to trust me a lot. They have to yeah. trust us to be able to open up and yeah, tell their story in ways that they, you know, people often want to tell as much of the story as they can. They also want to try to honor certain people in their family. They also think like Anne Lamott where it's like, 
people should have behaved better if they wanted you to write or speak nicely about them. But, (laughs) (laughs) but, um, but yeah, it's, it is, it's a very deeply intimate experience. Yeah. That's a, that's a good word. I couldn't think of a word for it. Yeah. A gift. All right. Another really kind of broad question that I just want you to run with is grace was a major part of my Christianity. It stuck with me through the deconversion process and and mm-hmm. obviously, you know, the graceful atheist. I know what I mean when I talk about it, uh, but I also know that it turns lots of people off. But I'm curious, mm. what does it mean to you? What does it mean to be a graceful person from your perspective? Forget what I've said. I'm curious what you think it means and and how you do or do not try to live that out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love you say that at the end of the episodes. Um, join me and be a graceful human being. I love that. Yes. <laughs> um, I think it means for me, giving people, our family calls it giving people the generous story, which mm. is not does not come naturally to me. Um, assuming the best in a situation um, or, yeah, giving people a generous story, assuming the best. Um, remembering that, I guess, the common humanity, like I, hmm, how do I say this kindly to myself? I can be very judgmental, like inside my mind about other people's choices that they make. And just reminding myself of like, if I had their DNA and their life experiences, I would think and do exactly the same Mm -hmm. way that they're doing. And so I, I I feel like that's what grace is to me, extending the love and compassion and empathy to others that I would like them to extend to me. Um, And also extending that grace to myself, because thinking back to when I was a Christian, it was a lot of like, kill your sin, kill your sin, kill your sin. Mm -hmm. So treating myself in a way that I would treat other people is also part of being a graceful human. And even which... Uh, Joe Simonetta, who was just on the podcast, yeah, the way he talked about just respecting the environment, the idea of like we're all interconnected, literally all interconnected, um, and the choices we make on this planet affect the planet and affect our children and all that. And um, so, yeah, I feel like that's where what grace is. I don't even know if I remember the like correct um, <laughs> definition of grace, but yeah, just. Yeah, all those kinds of things. Empathy, kindness, generous stories for people, remembering we're all the common humanity of all of us and and things like that. Yeah, I think that's what grace means to me. I don't know if you have the same experience, but on this side of deconversion, deconstruction, whatever you want to say, mm-hmm. the manipulation <laughs> from and we're going to we'll focus on Christianity here, but but uh, tra- traditional religious figures in general is so blatant now to me. Uh, I'm curious if that's your experience. And what I want to ask is, what have you learned about Christianity on this side of deconversion? Oh, heavens. Oof. (laughs) Well, here's one thing I have learned. The values that I had as a Christian are a lot of the same values that I have now. Mm -hmm. So I can still hear black Christians speak. Like I follow Mm -hmm. Jamar Tisby and some other, um, the Holy Smoke movement. I'm not sure if they're Christian or not, but they're fantastic on all the stuff that they do. And 
these different, you know, black believers that like our values are still so similar, but white American Christianity, again, hashtag not all, oh, yeah, <laughs> we, we all know that, um, I can, I cannot, I cannot hear, but even as a Christian, looking back at my little Facebook memories that come up, I have been trying to call out and call in the racism, the misogyny, the well, the misogyny I didn't learn till later. Let me take that back because I thought it was biblical to be patriarchal mm. and all that stuff. Okay. But definitely the homophobia and the racism for years. Like, what is wrong with you people? Why can you not? <laughs> like, how? Like, how does this? How can you vote this certain way that harms entire groups of people and see the way Jesus interacted with the the poor, the immigrant, the lonely? You know, all these people. Um, so, what I learned about Christianity. The music is manipulative. I did not mm. realize that. I learned a little bit of the brain stuff. Yeah. Um, of how, yeah, it's basically trying to get you high so that yeah. then you can like <laughs> yes. listen. You can, your brain is ready to receive. I'll receive the message. Ooh, that just makes me feel gross thinking. About <laughs> yes. Um, ooh, yes. And then that the that the white supremacy was like baked in from the mm. beginning of American yeah. Christianity, yeah. white, white Christianity. Um, even before like whiteness was invented, like the idea of, you know, whiteness existing, like it was the idea that European people were just inherently superior to all other peoples, um, baked in from the beginning. Um, the misogyny, I didn't realize. I started kind of realizing it while I was still a Christian. I had a friend at the time who, she came out of a, a t part of Christianity where women could be pastors. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was just, not heresy, but like, y'all just are interpreting the Bible wrong. Or <laughs> but since then, reading books like Cassandra Speaks and The Making of Biblical Womanhood, which is written by a Christian, she's a Christian author, um, historian, I think. And just seeing, yeah, it's baked into the pie. Just so many things that at the time I saw or just didn't like, you know, how things just don't feel quite right to you. You know, yeah. something's not quite right. But I was taught parts of those things were biblical. Um, and so I had to believe them, even if I didn't like them. Um, what other things have I learned? Um, I had already years ago when Derek Webb was still a Christian, but making his own music. He was calling out the Republican world, you know, Republicanism and white Christianity being mixed together so much. And I, I feel like he was like a prophet. Like he called it way before anyone else was paying attention to it. His, he had a couple of albums that were just explicit about what was happening. And now we're seeing it. It's been happening this whole time. You know, there's all these books being written um, about how it, how, the politics and the moral majority and all this kind of stuff is all mixed together. Um, so it was happening. We just didn't know about it because we didn't have social media. Now people, it's a lot more difficult for people to keep secrets. Right. Um, <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. people, people can, other people can just find out. Um, I say that I have also learned that there are different realities existing in the United States. So like, I said the phrase January 6th mm -hmm. and someone in my family was like, what, what does that mean? And I was oh, like, wow. I don't understand wow. why you don't, he yeah. had no idea because that in his news world is not a phrase. Right. 
Right. And it's, you know, framed different, you know, it's a longer story. We've got a couple of related questions to, to this new view on Christianity. So you live in the South. <laughs> mm, yes. uh, what is the experience of being a, you know, on this side of deconversion? I think it's safe to say that you're a bit more liberal in your politics and living in the South, both from a, you're no longer a Christian and from the political aspect. Um, when I was still a Christian, I had a little bit of, because my my politics went more liberal way before my like I was a that was way back when I was in college. I think I took a sociology class and was like, wait, yeah, that'll I don't do it. really <laughs> believe. Yeah, I don't really yeah. believe or agree with a lot of yeah. what I had been taught was I was supposed to vote, and um, and so I was like, oh, I can throw it out. But I also did not grow up in a church. I have learned since learned that people grew up learning that Democrats were literally demonic like there was this whole movement i had no idea that existed i did not grow up in that um so i could you know throw out become more liberal in my politics it didn't have any kind of spiritual problem with it because you live in the south where not being a christian is a kind of a big deal and politically maybe a little bit different like what is that experience when i was still a christian my friends could hear me they could hear my thoughts on things yeah but obviously maybe they were right and democrats and we are demonic because apparently like <laughs> I left Christianity, be, you know, so right, true. Yeah. Maybe, they have yeah, a point. Maybe it, maybe it was, a, maybe it really is a slippery slope. Like they say. But um, so then I did have some influence in conversations with the moms that I was friends with. Um, I now do not have any kind of influence. Um, I say that also thinking though, multiple times I think back to when I tried to, I didn't call people out. I was like, Hey, um, let's, can we have a conversation about this? I feel like there's some information maybe you're missing, whether it's on racism. That's usually my thing is the anti-racist world. That's where I've had the most conversations with other white people, um, oh, white women. Um, but n no one was interested. And so maybe I didn't have as much influence as I thought I did. I'm not sure. But, um, as far as just people around me, everyone just assumes you go to church. So unless I explicitly say anything, mm. they just assume I'm a Christian. And yeah. then I try when someone says something. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. I have noticed since 2016 um, in multiple encounters with people that there's a feeling of entitlement amongst more hmm, conservative white people to be able to say whatever they want and not Mm -hmm. expect there to be consequences just in interpersonal situations. And they assume I'm going to agree with them. Right. Like they just, oh, here's a white, they just assume that my beliefs are going to be similar to theirs. And I try to go, wow, that's interesting from my understanding, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> so that yeah. maybe they'll go, huh, I haven't thought of that. I, I have no idea if they go, huh, I thought sure. about that. I've never thought yeah. about that. But, um, but it has, I have tried to, I don't like debate or anything like that. Um, but I've had different conversations with people where I've just tried to ask some questions and see maybe to get them to think a little bit more um, about whatever the political thing is. But for the most part, people just, unless you have a conversation, people assume that we go to church, that Mm -hmm. we vote Republican, that we, you know, we just, we look like them. So of course we do those same things. Yeah. Um, And it is really nice when you meet someone who looks like, who, that looks like me and it's the inner the the conversation is completely different than than you, than I've expected, and and there are plenty of people who who maybe have different ways of thinking about politics because a lot of it I don't even I don't necessarily understand um, that I've been able to learn from, um, but I have to be honest, most of those have not been in real life people; those have been online friends that I made <laughs> who are in different parts of the United States and yes, so have yeah. just very different experiences but yeah people just assume assume things about you and don't usually engage in conversations a lot not deeper conversations you've brought up the topic a number of times and i just want to explore it a little bit about becoming more aware of white privilege uh your you know your own personal experience and and kind of, you've just described what systemic racism is, right? Like that you get it, you get the assumed uh, pass, so to speak, mm-hmm. and don't have to justify anything, you know? So, I mean, you've just really eloquently described that. I'm curious about timing. Was was that something that you discovered prior to deconversion or has that grown even greater after the fact? For you, where did that growth come from? Oh, that's a, that's a good question. Um, for me, in my, I guess, beginning to pay attention was in 2014 when the Ferguson protests were happening, Mm -hmm. when Mike Brown, uh, when Darren Wilson, um, police officer, um, killed Mike Brown. Um, In my Facebook feed were lots of the CVS is burning and people are rioting. That just kept coming up. And then a friend of mine who is a black woman, she happened to um, post something from Twitter that was from what, what's called Black Twitter, and I clicked on it to go see, and it was like 
kind of an on the ground conversation about what was going on. And it was like, here's where we're meeting for these protests. Here's where we're meeting at this place. And it was just like 90% of what was happening were peaceful protests. And that was the first time I went, huh, wait, maybe something's not quite like I, like I would have never, I don't know that I've ever would have paid attention. I want to say, yes, of course I would have eventually paid attention, but that I know was because I've told her since then, like, you changed the trajectory of, of my understanding of the world. Yeah. Um, so from that moment was the first, like, okay, something's a little different in the United States that I don't, that I'm not understanding that I haven't been taught. And at the time I thought it was God telling me, but you know, yeah. <laughs> however it was, um, I realized I just needed to like sit back and learn some stuff. I didn't need, cause I wanted to go save the world, which imagine a white person wanting to go save the world. That <laughs> never, ever happened. But, um, but, but I was like, okay, I just need to learn stuff. So I, I don't even know. Oh, I was listening to Jamar Tisby's podcast, Pass the Mic. Okay. Um, and he Christian. So I was already learning from black Christians and there were, um, and so I was like, okay, I looked up every person I had never read from Ida B. Wells to um, Angela Davis. I looked up different theologians. I was like, I just need to understand. I looked up, you know, just Googled things like police brutality. I started following all these different people online. Um, And I was just, I think for me, sitting back and being willing to listen to what what had happened for 500 years in the United States and what was just literally happening to people in real time, um, like forced me to, to have to pay attention. It was like, I can't, un I can't unknow these things now. Yeah. Um, and so, so that was a long time ago now. And according to my Facebook memories, I was, let's see, I can't remember the years, you know, there, but there was like, it was, I did not, I remember when, um, oh, I can't remember his name, Trayvon Martin, when um, George Zimmerman murdered him, I just remember thinking, you don't, this is terrible, you don't do this, but I, that was it, my mom and I just argued about it, there was nothing more, but then it was like Tamir Rice, and it was just person mm. after person, women, men, and just kept hearing all these names, and I was following all these people, and I was like, where it broke my heart. I got a private message from um, a, a black woman that I've been friends with for years. She was like, Arlene, nobody else, none of the people we were in college ministry with are saying anything about this. Everybody's silent. Mm. And we go to church on Sunday and we're all together and they don't say anything about what's happening to black human bodies. They're brothers and sisters. They don't say anything at church. It's like, it's like they don't care. They, they care about people's salvation and all that stuff, but not their real selves. And it was just, it made me sad to know, like, there weren't other, like, where were all the other Christians, white Christians? So that's, that's how mine got started. And it's been just a lot of, a lot of learning, a lot of really seeing that, um, yeah, like I said earlier, it, it was just baked in from the beginning into white American Christianity. Um, it was, it was necessary in order to enslave entire populations of people. It was necessary to destroy, um, destroy human life 
and take land from indigenous peoples. I mean, it was just these things had to be mandated by God. If they were not mandated by God, we can't justify these horrible things that we are doing. And yes, I know. I always assume there's going to be the like, but some Christians were abolitionists. Yes, thank you. Yes, I realize that. Yes, um, the percentages were tiny when, when, whenever yes. they make those arguments, yes. the the percentages yes. relative to everyone else were very, yes. very small. When you yeah. can name John Newton, William Wilberforce, that other Garrison guy, then okay, fair. You know, like when you sure. can name, um, then there weren't that many people who were who were platforming, um, because. It was unsafe to them. Like, yeah. they had to decide. You know, in, I mean, we look at the, the civil rights movement, the the strategic, ending of lives of human life of leaders, so that they would s- stop. You know, asking that they have the inherent rights that are written down in all those fancy papers that dead white guys put together. Uh, yeah, I don't want to take take over here, but like my wife and I read a book by a black Harvard professor whose name is going to escape me. We'll have to do it in the show notes about the declaration of independence. And, mm-hmm. and uh, now they're, that's very problematic, right? But the prologue, the opening bits of that are, are so inspiring. They're so incredible about oh, yeah. <laughs> the mm-hmm. equality that, you know, we state that the, as Americans, we say, this is what we believe in. And we have failed to live up to that even a little bit, including in the rest of that document. <laughs> Yes, absolutely. <laughs> so it's yes. like it's a, it's amazing that in the same kind of in the same document there's these beautiful soaring ideals and also the embodiment of the opposite of that uh, you know the, the against the native americans at the time and things of that nature I want to share one more thing to wrap up this this conversation my you and I both were interviewed by Robert Peoples. He has been one of my oh, favorite yeah. people that we've been able to interview. And I forget how he phrased the question to me, but it was similar uh, to what I just asked you in that. And my honest answer was, you know, I felt, I feel so naive, my former self, I feel so naive. Mm-hmm. And one breaking point for me was when Henry Louis Gates, who was also a Harvard professor, was arrested in 2009 on his doorstep. Uh, he had forgotten his keys or something. He was trying to get into his house. He was arrested, harassed, and then, and not, I don't know if he was fully arrested, but, you know, very much harassed and it had ID on him, had his, his address, the place they were at. And that was the first time where I saw on Facebook, it's kind of the opposite of what you described earlier. People assuming that, that you agree with them. I assumed that everyone else understood that that's racist. And when I saw that some of my hometown people thought that because he raised his voice that he was out of line in some way, I was utterly shocked. I was just utterly shocked. And so uh, for me, it has been a, you know, and again, this is, this is a, this is bad, right? This is a character flaw, but the, the breaking down of my naivete of what I believed in all those ideals, I thought that's what America was about. And just having the proof day in and day out particularly during the 2010s, uh, you know, of just having it proven to us that we are not over mm-hmm. the racism that is inherent within the United oh, no. States. It's just, it's just painful and, and grieving. And it's like um, Ibram X. Kendi, um, whose books I can highly, highly recommend, um, he talks about racism like rain. He's like, it's just always raining. It's just mm. always raining. And 
we don't even know it's raining yeah. because we have lived in the rain the whole time. And he says, when you realize or when someone else points out, hey, you just said or did something that was racist or you're hold this is a racist belief, you know, if something like that happens, they're just handing you an umbrella so that you can go, oh, whoa, I didn't even notice. Like now I can notice this thing. And um, and it's it isn't that, you know, people are all one thing or another. It's that we've just been swimming in it for our entire lives. Mm -hmm. And if it doesn't affect us, we don't even know we're supposed to pay attention to these other things that are happening. Because, like, I can literally, like, run into Walmart with my sunglasses on and a hoodie and run back out and no one's going to think, you know, no one's going to say anything. Um, and it's and it's it's also my responsibility with the privilege that I have to leverage as many other voices, as many other um black men and women, especially women, especially women and um, other people of color, women, 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 um, their voices so that people can, yeah, learn, learn from people that we just haven't learned from because other groups have taken up a lot of the space. <laughs> so semi-related to this or the whole subject of what we've learned about Christianity, I'll ask the question and then I'll set it up. What makes you angry? And and Ooh. the reason I asked, the, the reason I asked the question is, one of the things I've learned through this process is that my experience was pretty easy, <laughs> both in yes. both inside Christianity and coming out of Christianity, and that it was not easy for many, many people. You've already mentioned purity culture, uh, but now that you've been a part of this community, you've listened to other people's stories, you've interviewed some people. Do you ever get angry for them, for you know, <laughs> in, in proxy for them? Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> um. Yes. Uh, for me, anger is more accessible than grief and sadness. And mm. I'm sure there's stuff I need to deal with in, with, in therapy. Um, but yes, when I talk to black women who have not been heard, when I talk to, or harmed, like I, mm. like I never experienced, like I experienced sexist remarks and things, you know, and a lack of access to leadership or whatever, if I had wanted things like that, I've never experienced the sexual harassment or the the physical, emotional harm done to a lot of women. Um, and an, another thing, I don't, I don't know if it makes me angry or just makes me sad, the number of people that their sexuality was just more nuanced mm -hmm. and they've spent their entire life not being able to do anything with that part of their body. They're part of their themselves, if that makes sure. sense. Yeah. Um, that, that makes me, I don't know if that makes me sad or angry or both. Probably both. <laughs> um, the things that make me angry are when I think about all the, when I hear people talk about the time they feel like they wasted all the years that they could have um, just done things differently, done things in a more free way, um, in a more, um, a way that really honored their whole selves rather than having to squash. That's how our family says it, having to squash part of themselves mm -hmm. instead of being able to, to live out of that. Um, so yeah, that, the anger it's still, yeah, a lot of just the, the terrible, 
Okay, politics. There you go. Yeah. That makes me angry. <laughs> yeah. That makes me furious. I was trying to think of like the stories that I've heard from people, but um, most of when I hear the people sto- hear people's stories, it makes me sad for yeah. them. Yeah. The anger comes when I just when I watch videos of the foolishness that comes out of white Christians' mouths who also hold power in our country and mm-hmm. our states and stuff. That just infuriates me. And it infuriates me knowing how many people can't hear my or other people's voices to say, hey, this is Christian nationalism. This is bad. We yeah. need to stop this. They can't hear that because I'm I'm not a Christian anymore, so they can't. I, I don't know what I'm talking. I can't know what I'm talking about. For sure. Yeah. Even though I really feel like a lot from the people I've talked to in the deconversion group, these were the Bible readers. These were the studiers. These were the ones who were like praying for all the things to make it happen. These were the ones who were trying to like call people out, call people in, make things better. Mm-hmm. And not all of them, you know, finally gave up because I didn't leave Christianity because of that. Like mine was completely different, but who wanted like to glorify God, glorify Jesus, however they want to say it as Christians. And we're just like, screw this, this like people didn't want to change. People didn't want anything, don't want things to be different. Um, If they have, if they're holding power, like, why would you want things to change? Why would you want <laughs> other people to have more power? If then that means that you may not have all the power. You kind of answered one of, one of my last questions what are the commonalities and maybe the differences that you've seen in people's stories from, from your perspective? So from doing the community management and the few, and the few interviews as well. So one of them, I think you've, you've highlighted there is that it tends to be the most dedicated of, of Christians that, yes. that are on the side of, of deconstruction, deconversion. Mm-hmm. Uh, but anything else that pops to mind that. Um, 2016 always seems to pop up very often. And then, 2020, you know, for the people who, who have deconverted more recently, mm-hmm. the, you know, of course, Trump, and then the response to the pandemic, the way churches dealt with that, the conspiracy theories, you know, all that kind of stuff. Yes, lots of people have, have talked about that. Um, again, purity culture, just realizing that. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation? where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission. At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I don't know, not even just purity culture, but just... I don't know how to say this, people learning from people like Brene Brown and others about psychology and just mm-hmm. learning that they're not sinful, they're not crazy, they're not, you know, fill in the blank with whatever the thing is. It's your um, 
limbic system taking over or it's your, you know, just learning physiological things about their own bodies um, that explain what they used to think was, you know, whatever the sin, fill in the blank with the sin, because that's another thing that recently I've talked to someone about is there used to be so many rules that you had to follow that you were always struggling and now when there are just fewer rules, you just don't <laughs> yeah. struggle as much. You know, there are few, fewer rules to break without being micromanaged by a magical deity in the sky. Even that um, word struggle, I'll find myself trying, ooh. I'll start to use that word. And I think, oh, that is a bad word. That's not a good word. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah, because you, you couldn't just outwardly want to do the flagrant, yeah, terrible, yeah. sinful thing. You yeah. had to struggle with. That's right. I've definitely, a lot of, a lot of people just, even if they can't empathize with the experience of other people in the group, they just, there's a lot of empathy with the, the emotions, the mm-hmm. anger, the frustration, the sadness, the grief, the happiness that like, oh my gosh, I am such a better person now. <laughs> and feeling like, wow, I never expected to feel like I was a better person now on the other side of, of, having, to, of having left Christianity. And... So the flip side of what makes you angry, what, what gives you hope about, about this group, about secularization, about America, about your, <laughs> li- your own life? What gives you hope? What gives me hope? Oh yeah. gosh! Um, in my in my own just little personal life, we have a pond in the backyard, and we have geese that come, Canada geese that come, and um, the seasons, like just knowing that like right now everything's starting to die, and it is beautiful, but like it's going to be bare and miserable for a while, but like spring will come, like that just that like natural, literal hope, like mm-hmm. there will be life again in the spring that. For me personally, that's a thing, watching my kids grow up and not having to micromanage my kids. Like I can just let them grow into whoever they're going to guide them, you know, all that good stuff. But like, I don't have to have these strange, bizarre expectations on my children. And in the world secularization, oh, I read people like, um, oh gosh, I'm going to say his name wrong. Noah Harari, Yuval Noah Harari, who wrote Sapiens. Yes. Um, I've ordered the graphic, Not we have the graphic novels for the kids. Um, he has a children's book. Like his, his willingness to say a lot of the hard things about what we're doing right now to the planet and to ourselves and how we have to be able to cooperate. That's the most important thing in order for us to do, to be able to continue off, continue into the world. He gives me a lot of hope um, that maybe we can do these things. Yeah. Oh, things that give me hope. Knowing how many young people are not just going to, young people are not just going to be able to be told the Bible is inherently true and, and then be like, okay, Mm-mm. right. They can go, they can literally Google everything. They do not need information from us. Like they just need to know how to interpret all the information that they're getting. And so seeing the young people see that things like compassion and kindness and cooperation and love, like all these things are so important to them and they're willing to like 
push back on the adults in their lives and say like, no, what you're saying is bullshit. I'm going to treat my friend with respect. I'm, they're not inherently bad because of their queerness or their color or whatever. The, the younger people give me hope. Their ability to push back on adults, their ability to think for themselves and hopefully, you know, you know, like learn how to think critically. I think we could go in a good direction in the future. I also think we might kill ourselves in a hundred years. I have no idea. Like, (laughs) (laughs) I can, but I can try to be hopeful. I love, yeah, the, the higher, the, the increase of the nuns and the duns Mm -hmm. and the people who may still be some version of Christian or another religion, but just want it to be like loving and not trying to harm people. Like all of that gives me hope that the farther away religious people get from fundamentalism, the better like their religion I think will be and like just the world in general fundamentalism just harms just yeah it harms so many people so yeah getting away from that so yeah lots of stuff yeah those things give me hope that was a good question because I am not always like I literally have to have my an app say what are you grateful for today so that I can (laughs) pay attention and like think hopefully about the world and gratefully so yeah (laughs) Arlene, is there a topic that we didn't hit that, or that I didn't ask that you had prepared for and want to get out in this episode? Um, I don't think so. I do, I do want to give tons of recommendations, not right now, but like we can put them in the notes only because that's, again, my love language. That's my okay. second love language. Dis- great discussions and then sharing resources when someone says, I thought of you. and you know, this was the book or the podcast I thought of. I'm like, oh, I feel loved. So, yeah. Well, I tell you what, I've got, I've got a recommendation for you. Oh, sweet. So it, since you are open to listening to some black Christian voices, Tyler Merritt went to my Bible college. Probably, oh, wow. we probably had some overlap. I don't think we ever met one another. He had a Instagram go viral during 2020 and he has just a really interesting perspective and he is kind of providing that transition layer. He's definitely in evangelicalism, but he is saying to white evangelicalism, this is racism in in a really good way. And he has written a book that is his memoir, and I might have to get the actual title in the show notes, but uh, definitely recommend him. Okay. Yeah. 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 Any, anyone with whom I share values, like I can, I can try to hear them. I can try to hear them. Yeah. (laughs) Are there any of the your recommendations you want to do on on Mike? Well, I'll, I'll do this. The Sex and Psychology podcast with Justin Lee Miller. That's the one that we get a lot of our stuff, um, our little Wednesday night, our Wednesday night conversation mm-hmm. um, that we get a lot from. And he is has all the the therapist like letters behind his name. I don't okay, know what yeah. all he is, yeah. but um. But he's fantastic. He has a book, um, Tell Me What You Want, and it's about sexual desire. And that that podcast is just, if you have, even if you didn't necessarily grow up in purity culture, but you've simply like, just wonder what life is like for people who have had a, quote, normal, whatever you would consider normal, even though he would say, no, don't use that word, um, sex life, that it's just a fantastic resource. It's a really good podcast. 
And um, I've learned a lot of stuff. And I did not grow up in purity culture. I was already throwed away, as my daddy would have said, <laughs> um, when I got started going to church. So I was not a, I wasn't part of all that. Um, but it has it has a lot of excellent, um, excellent content. Fantastic. And someone someone in the deconversion group that I met told me about that. And um, okay. I he's someone that he I want him to be on the podcast one day. He's fantastic. Every everyone in the group that I've met, like I've just I'm so thankful for this group. So many kind people, so many lovely people from whom I can learn things. It's just yeah, deconversion group's great. I love it. We'll just say here again, if you are interested in being interviewed and you would prefer for Arlene to interview you, that is definitely on the table and you should reach out to Arlene. You can also email me and uh, we'll make that happen. Arlene, mainly I want to say to you, thank you. The work that you have done is just invaluable. We'll get into some of it when we're going to reverse this. You're going to interview me in next week's episode, but I just don't have the time for these things. We would not have the Deconversion Anonymous uh, group if it weren't for you. So thank you so much for all the work that you do. Yes, you're too kind. I love it. it I did not know. I did not know that I needed it until I had it. Final thoughts on the episode. That was a lot of fun. It was fun having the conversation. It was fun re-listening to the conversation. And it has been a blast to work with Arlene. I know that many of you who are part of the Deconversion Anonymous community group know what a vital and important part of our community Arlene is. And as I said there at the end, we wouldn't have it without her. I, I do not have the time. So we are all incredibly lucky to have Arlene in our corner working to build our community. In fact, I was talking to Evan Clark about the future move to the Atheist United podcast network. And I was saying that I have these fabulous volunteers and he was definitely envious. <laughs> so I want to begin by just saying thank you, Arlene, for all the work that you do. I know it's more than just community management, the copy editing, outreach to people online, and a thousand things that I don't even know about. We love you and thank you for all the work that you have done. There are lots of things that jump out from the conversation. Uh, my favorite part of the conversation was about anger and hope. The anger coming from the systemic racism and misogyny and anti-LGBTQ elements of Christianity. But I want to point out here what character it shows in Arlene that she was seeing that early. She was seeing that as a believer and that that is what slowly led her out of Christianity. She still has empathy for people who are in the middle of things and she is modeling secular grace in the community. I love that she talked about the hope about spring, that things do return, things do get better watching her children grow up and not having to micromanage them, letting them be who they are, and the empathy that she sees expressed within the group. And I, again, I see that as a direct result of Arlene's leadership and example. I want to thank Arlene for all the work that she's done, the community management, the interviews, the outreach, for being on the podcast and continuing to show us what honesty and empathy looks like. Thank you, Arlene, for being such an integral part of the podcast. 
The Secular Grace Thought of the Week is a return to one of my favorite subjects, and that is participation in the community. Again, I could not do the podcast without people like Mike, who does the editing, without people like Arlene, who we've just spent an hour or so talking about how much impact that she has. People like Ray, who's doing the memes for us with the quotes from each episode. One of the things that I want to provide, or at least facilitate, is a place for people to use their hobbies, their talents, dare I say gifts, in some way that makes them feel good and benefits the community. In church, this could be abusive and exhausting and burnout prone. No one is asking for that level of commitment. But if there is something that you do well, and it would benefit the Deconversion Anonymous community or the Graceful Atheist podcast, we want for you to participate and we want for you to have the opportunity to do something in the secular world. There are a number of roles that we could fill. As Arlene mentioned, we've got a number of different topics, including unequally yoked relationships, secular parenting, and a myriad of others that still need people to lead groups within the Deconversion Anonymous community. If you're interested in doing that, that'd be great. I could definitely use someone who is more social media focused to take some of that burden off. We already have a couple of the components, like I say, Ray doing memes and things, but like if you want to just manage the social media presence of the Graceful Atheist podcast, I'd be very interested in, in having you do that. If you are into audio production and want to do more of the music intros, outros, more highly produced segments, things of that nature, I'd be really interested in that. I've been talking with Nathan about automating some work to make the podcast into simple video on the YouTube channel, but there's a lot of potential there if somebody wanted to do more video, more robust video work there. The intro outro music that I currently have is Creative Commons licensed. I would love to have a license-free bit of music. As I have said in the past, I'll be honest, I'm super picky about the music. I want it to be gospel hip-hop with a beat. So that one I'd want to work with you directly, but if you're interested and you have those talents, that would be fantastic. The point I want to make is there are lots of different ways that you can participate with the podcast and the community, and don't hold back. <laughs> when I first spoke to Arlene, in her humility, she didn't know if there was anything that she could do to help, and she has turned out to be integral to what we do here. I know there are more of you in the community that maybe feel like, you know, you haven't been asked yet, or you're not as confident, or you're an introvert. This is that moment. I am asking you for help. We can all do something amazing and spectacular together. Reach out to me. Email me at gracefulatheist at gmail.com and we will make something happen. Next week is my Ask Me Anything. Arlene interviews me and asks the questions that the community came up with. And then we're going to take a two-week break. What you'll notice is that it basically Christmas and New Year hit the weekend days that I would normally release podcasts. So we're just going to take the holidays off. We're going to kick off 2023 with Evan Clark of Atheist United. 
I just did that interview. That's an amazing interview. I think you're going to see why I'm interested in becoming a part of that organization. He's already provided a couple of different introductions and there will be more coming. So more opportunities for interviews, more opportunities for me to be interviewed. I'm very excited about that partnership. So 2023 is the year of Atheist United. Until then, my name is David and I am trying to be the Graceful Atheist. Join me and be graceful human beings. Time for the footnotes. The beat is called Waves from Mackay Beats. Links will be in the show notes. If you'd like to support the podcast, you can promote it on your social media. You can subscribe to it in your favorite podcast application, and you can rate and review it on podchaser.com. You can also support the podcast by clicking on the affiliate links for books on gracefulatheist.com. If you have podcast production experience and you would like to participate with the podcast, please get in touch with me. Have you gone through a faith transition and do you need to tell your story? Reach out. If you are a creator or work in the deconstruction, deconversion, or secular humanism spaces and would like to be on the podcast, just ask. If you'd like to financially support the podcast, there's links in the show notes. To find me, you can Google Graceful Atheist. You can Google Deconversion. You can Google Secular Grace. You can send me an email, gracefulatheist at gmail.com. Or you can check out the website, gracefulatheist.com. My name is David, and I am trying to be the Graceful Atheist. Join me and be graceful human beings. This has been the Graceful Atheist Podcast. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.